Hello swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I talk to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. Today's podcast guest is an Englishman living in Sydney. James Hickman is a British triple Olympian, five-time world short course gold medalist in the 200 meter butterfly and a dual short course world record holder but he now finds himself living in Sydney with his young family and in doing so he's rediscovered his passion for the water with open water racing all around Sydney and around the world and masters competitions. We chatted about his training and racing but most of all his joy and spiritual connection to the water. Let's hear from James now. There you go, Hi, James. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, really nice to be in this company. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. And you're coming to us from Sydney today. What's the weather like up there? Weather's okay. It started pretty, pretty, like a little bit damp, but it's picked up. Um, and Sydney's had so far quite quite a nice summer Sydney itself and I New South Wales has had some floods and things around but um, yeah I've been able to get in the ocean a, f- a few times already which is nice oh nice are you able to swim there at this time of the year without a wetsuit that's the big question is when does it sort of finish wetsuity and I I kind of feel like the beginning of November everybody's kind of like yeah you were ready for no wetsuits although it's been a bit dicey uh the the Kuchi Island swim last weekend I'm gonna say was pretty fresh was it um so but yeah it was it's no wetsuit time now how far was the Kuchi swim and um, there's two courses the 1k which most of us felt was probably more like 1.4k actually and then the 2.4k swim around the back of uh wedding cake island um so yeah i did both of those uh on sunday which was nice to be getting into an early ocean swim early in the season and trying things out yeah that's fantastic do you do much open water swimming training during the, the summer? Do you supplement that with your in-pool swimming? Yeah, so my general training regime is um, is four pool sessions um, in the summer or the winter. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, uh, and then Sunday. Um, and just juggle around family life um so on tuesdays and thursdays i'm in charge of kids drop-offs and pickups so i don't get that opportunity but in the summer what comes along is the opportunity to drop in the extra session for the fifth uh, day which is the saturday morning i look to try and do an ocean swim um, and then if the races are on a Sunday, like it was last Sunday, the pool swim gets dropped for the ocean race. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It keeps me fit. And uh, I, I swim with uh, a good group of people. So it, just a social thing, I suppose. You, you, you are swimming a lot for the people that you're with as well, aren't you? And I think, um, I know you're a master swimmer, which we're going to talk about as well, but that's that's something that I think a lot of swimmers that swam in their teenage years find coming back, they, they really miss that. They, don't, they didn't even realise that they missed having those squad mates around them. 
Yeah, for sure. You know that that camaraderie that um, is there in in I think I guess it's in most sports, but once you've known it from swimming and you have that swimming group, um, certainly for me the the camaraderie around the the teams I was in as a youngster and. Um, yeah getting back to it it's so fantastic to have a group of people that are also in you know the same phase of their lives generally as well you know when you're a young kid in the squad you're in the same phase of life you've got exams you've got school you've got whatever and then hit now it's the other stuff it's like oh i'm taking my kid to here and we've got that and we've got the other and it's all family stuff but you, you're all in the same stage and and have the same problems and you can talk about them and you know I think that social interaction and the camaraderie is as good for your mental health as you know certainly that this you know the exercise and the swimming I find really helps my you know my, my mental health I would say certainly did through lockdown anyway but um but then it's the people you're doing it with gives you that opportunity to to just talk to people yes yeah i agree i think it really centers you in your life i i find swimming as a bit of a sort of a compass and everything sort of moves around it but it, it was certainly hard during lockdown how did how did you go with swimming during that time yeah that was um you know the, the the pools were closed so it was trying to find that spot within the 5k radius we were allowed to and i was i was lucky um i could get to a couple of places in a wetsuit because it was cold times then as well but um you know i like i i wouldn't normally but i even plumped for swimming on my own in in locations in you know that just so i could get my head in the water and and go swim and it made such a difference for me it was like night and day really in terms of going there and feeling like oh, this pandemic is just endless and smashing us to getting out and going right don't worry about it let's crack on so yeah i see swimming for me is you know sometimes I describe it like my church or you know it's like being baptized you know i literally every time i swim i am um, like I get out of the pool I, refreshed new person uh for whatever the day is gonna take on so yeah i find it quite i mean somewhat i don't know spiritual if you want to call it that as well because yeah. i think that's what people might also compare it to oh absolutely i feel exactly the same way so sometimes when i'm driving to training on a sunday morning and i actually see people going into church i think well i'm heading to my own church yeah the pool is absolutely uh, essential in that sort of way for me yeah absolutely so what's an Englishman doing finding finding himself in Sydney how did you end up living in Australia tell us about that yeah well you know through my life I had um, <clears throat> numerous interactions in terms of uh, being in Australia and really enjoying Australia you know my my career as a as a British swimmer. I also swam at the Sydney Olympics in in the Central Olympics. Of the three I did, was the middle one was the Sydney one. So, um, we had training camps um, leading into Sydney Olympics. Uh, that four years from Atlanta to Sydney, all the focus goes to the next uh, next location. And so I was here 
training quite regularly over those four years and <clears throat> and so yeah I, I had a love for Australia through through that and um uh, and also actually um I had an Australian swimmer girlfriend for a while from oh. 90 in 98 um I went to the Commonwealth Games in Kuala Lumpur and then um, Emily Pedrazzini that swam on the Australian team there we uh, we we hooked up and were together for a bit so I even flew out to um, be train with her and stay with her family over Christmas and things so Australia was kind of making its way into my uh, psyche from uh, from back in those days and um, and then, and then I, th I suppose what uh, also gave me the opportunity was, you know, the fact that I work at, at Speedo and I was working for Speedo in the UK after coming out of my swimming career and, and, and got into Speedo. And my my wife then, not the same person, but my wife uh, now um, also worked at Speedo. We met there, but we were both very open to um, living and and trying to live in in another country with our family for, um, just to give it a shot we were very open-minded to that and then this opportunity came up in, in Sydney for for the role at Speedo here so that's how I ended up here really we um, we were like yeah I, I was 100% excited to give the chance to live in Australia because it was such a, an amazing, I, I already knew from the times I hear that how, for, from a swimming point of view, how incredible it is to be in Australia. So, so yeah, it was a, a bit of a no-brainer to give the, the Sydney job a shot. And um, yeah, we, we arrived 2016. So we've been here now six years and we are citizens just a couple of months ago. We got our Australian citizenship and um, I think uh, everything's pointing to this is where we now call home. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. We love having you. <laughs> what, what, is your, what is your actual role at Speedo? Yes, yeah, so I'm head of marketing, so I uh, get involved in... The things that people see out there um either in stores um you know the the speedo stores or the around aquatic centers where there's speedo for sale um and then of course sponsorship with the athletes and events and online which is very prevalent with retailers that are online now um and of, of course the the major sports retailers and the rebel sports of the world and things like that so yeah across the broad marketing uh mix is is my role for which called speedo pacific here but i'm gonna say is predominantly new zealand and australia and a, a little bit um in in the pacific islands around yeah oh wow that sounds really interesting and i suppose you get to go to a lot of the you know world competitions that are popping up uh, not as much as you think um i used to my last role at speedo international was a global sponsorship manager so i was basically traveling around the world all the time which is a pretty fantastic role i have to say however when you get a young family going uh, spending a third of the year out of the country going to events is not as viable as it was when you didn't have a young family um so the the role the, the head of marketing role is a bit 
less actually and in, within the team I have someone in sports marketing who does a lot more of being at the events I still go to um to some and I will head to Melbourne for the world um short course championships for a few days um and then I you know do get up I'll be heading up to Queensland state championships I'll be at New South Wales state championships for a bit so yeah I do I do bits but um yeah which is really nice uh to still get some exposure to, to those things um but uh, yeah as i say someone else really uh d- d- being there all the time um now here in australia she's actually suki's actually a four times um olympian as well uh, that that's what the great thing i think that we have um at, at, at speedo and surrounded by some uh people that link to swimming um, really, really well, and can can cross uh, that divide between really elite sport and then, like I have to think about mainly the everyday swimmer that just wants to put on some speedos and do five laps. Australian kids these days are, are looking up to a lot of those speedo athletes, like Ariane Titmus. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic uh, Olympics Tokyo was for Australia as a whole. And Speedo was lucky to have quite a lot of the top performers there. But yeah, I felt like uh, I was a very lucky um, (coughs) marketing person during that time when, you know, Emma McKeon was on the front cover of every newspaper and, yeah, and Kaylee McKeon as well as uh, Zach Stolte Cook and Ariane, like you said, and yeah, it was just and I just how great to inspire the the, the next generation of swimmers as to how amazing it can be. Absolutely, and, and I thought Britain Britain did extraordinarily well, especially with your men. Yeah, for sure, Duncan Scott and Tom Dean and James Guy and some of these names are. are you know, obviously, uh, kids like when I was back in the UK six years ago, they were sort of coming through, and it, it was really nice to hear um, those guys going well. And uh, yeah, I thought they did a, a great job. And again, inspiration for the for, for Great Britain as well. Um, hopefully, well, I think so. I mean, you know, their side I think also comes out of London 2012. So ten years later, because Obviously, Britain did fantastically well in London 2012. And 10 years on now, you're seeing people that thought, well, you know, I want to do that as well, which is what I think, you know, we've got this run into Brisbane 32. um, But I don't know that many people because everyone's thinking, I mean, I am. I've got an 11 year old and nine year old. And so we're talking 10 years away and they'll be 19 and 21. And of course, that's great age to be racing at the Olympics. So there's a, there's a generation of like, you've got a 10 year runway and it could be you. But then there's also what they do at Brisbane 32, whoever's there for the next 10 years. So I think you've got a, a 20 year piece so it, it, it's it's even better than what people I think in the moment are just thinking about 32 sort of stop but if you just look at what we talked about then there's another 10 years. Does having success at an Olympics like that for the athletes does that 
have a sort of a flow on effect to marketing in general for swimming? Well, yes, I, I think so. Um, I think if if there's success in a specific sport, then that then absolutely, I think you see the uptake of those sports increase. Um, but what I'm going to say, this is from my days with my global role hat on, because in in Australia, the success in the pool is pretty ongoing. Always, we can get super successful, like Tokyo was, um, and Birmingham was pretty good too. But uh, but I I think it, it it helps maintain its strength in Australia rather than a boost, if you know what I mean, because it's already pretty fantastic. Each generation has its, you know, Thorpey and Hackett and, you know, Susie O'Neill and, you know, you just keep going back. There's a generations, you know, all of Dawn Fraser. It, 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 it continues. It's amazing in Australia and I'm still learning. It's rich swimming history. Uh, every year I'm here, I meet more people that have done incredible incredible things. I remember when I first uh, arrived and was trying to find a swim squad and um, just doing some laps at a pool in Sydney and uh, was invited to join a, a little group that was going on. Oh, if you want to, mate, you can swim off the back of here. I was like, oh, yeah, great. And so I swam at the back of this lane because I wasn't very fit when we moved because moving countries doesn't do lots for your uh, training regime and, and fitness. But um Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, just realizing over a few weeks that there were already uh, quite a number of Olympians that had done water polo or had done, you know, other aquatic sports in this in this little squad in Sydney, and just blown away by the fact that, you know, the aquatic Olympians just everywhere, and you know, some like have even picked up medals at the olympics which i never did and here i am in a squad with them so it's been amazing yeah you have a great little squad is this um with chris feidler and guy farrow and yeah so now our our squad yeah i do i i swim regularly with with chris who i know you've had on before danielle and um also some other great um like uh, proponents of uh masters swimming in australia so chris and john demester um probably uh the, the 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 three that i see the most across the different squads as well as justin hanby who is an incredible ocean swimmer has done roto so many times and uh, he does what we do plus he does another five squads across sydney all the time um, um amazing peter teal who i went to hawaii with in his team that he's won for 17 years on the the trot doing the Maui channel and he let me be part of that this year so yeah I've just fallen I mean honestly really on my feet and into a group of very high performing masters swimmers that um that we you know we push each other along and supportive of each other um and yeah you know uh no it's what's good is that um, there's acceptance that you have got the rest of your world and your job and stuff like that, but that doesn't mean that you can't just be pushed along a little bit harder. And Chris 
gives us some tough training sets and the guys will say that because I set the session sometimes and they'll be like yeah James throws in some hard one I think sometimes it's like can you put in a set that you know is going to challenge everybody just because that's what your job is to do today because you're coaching them so it's been good let's talk about your swimming career now I know we've just touched on it then but how did you first get introduced to swimming back in the UK um, yeah, uh, just as a kid, um, I was a hyperactive kid, like a lot of boys, and my parents got me into into sport, and I did swimming and gymnastics as two sports. Um, you know, they're, I suppose, like local, easy, popular sports, and you run some energy out of a crazy kid, then that's what you get them in. Um, and then I, over, I don't know, about the age of nine, ten, I... Um, that the clubs are doing for is moves to four nights a week and there's only seven nights so you're gonna have to choose one or the other and i i chose chose swimming that i liked and enjoyed a bit more and i think that for me is a key to success is choosing to do what you like i mean at that time i wouldn't say there was necessarily a difference i wasn't like a great swimmer or a great gymnast i mean so I, I wasn't really choosing based on ability and success. So I literally chose on what I liked. And now looking back, I realize how important it is to choose to do what you like, because then when you get to doing, you know, that 10 swim sessions a week plus everything else, if you're not doing what you like, you're not really ever going to be, you know, pushing yourself. So, yeah. Um, so that was it. And by 11, I was doing the seven swim sessions a week and all that sort of stuff and taking it from from there really and actually I didn't really have as probably just a, a club swimmer enjoying the social aspects of it with not really a, a big um, goal in mind um, until and it was the Olympics that inspired me um, 88 Seoul Olympics I was 12 and actually a British uh, swimmer, Adrian Morehouse, won gold in, in the 100 breaststroke. And uh, that was my little my little fire, my little, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I swim and maybe I'll try. And that's when I started to really challenge myself and take it a bit more seriously. And what's the structure like in Britain? Is it through the club system similar to what we have in Australia yeah yeah it's not yeah it's very much like the Australian system versus the American system it's there's not really a you know a, a school or college uh system to talk of it's very very similar to us uh, Australia so it's the cl I, the club system that took me through to um the you know the national competitions national age group championships then on to um national senior championships and qualifying at trials and things like that and i know you made your first british team when you were 15 so that was for the junior european championships yeah um, how how long after that did you make your first olympic team in 96 how old were you then yeah so um i 96 i was um 20 so five years um going around the, the junior teams i did 94 i made the commonwealth team um that was in victoria so that was sort of my first um senior birth 
in, in, in an experience and raced Scott Miller and um, he's made him a name for himself uh, in Australia. Oh, he has, hasn't he? <laughs> and um, yeah, Daniel Lodo was a New Zealander that I raced at there at the time as well. So yeah, 94 and um, I got a bronze in the 200 fly. So that was a nice uh, stepping stone into sort of senior, the, the senior uh, side of swimming. And then 96 Atlanta Olympics um, was my first, uh, first Olympics. And yeah, the Americans did an Olympics like the Americans do. Atlanta's the home of Coca-Cola, so you can imagine. Um, and they were sponsors of it, of course. So um, it, it was a, you know, a, a Coca-Cola Olympics is probably what I would call it as much as anything else. Um, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, just amazing experience. Uh, I, I remember being in the crowd and Madonna was sat with the uh, USA swimmers in uh, on that side of things. Um, and the uh, he, David Hasselhoff, uh, the Hoff was the team manager for the modern pentathlon team and was walking around the Olympic Village in Atlanta. You're like that. That that was David Hasselhoff just walking. So you can imagine you got Hollywood stars and pop stars, and this is a kind of Coca-Cola Olympics. Um, so incredible to you know first Olympics. I was just wide-eyed and wow, this is this is amazing. So I'm pretty well too. If we talk about what I did, a, did do a British uh, record uh, in in the hundred and two and fly. So um, yeah, I was I was pleased with that. Oh, I know. And you made a, made the final in the two hundred butterfly. How did that race go? T talk us through your thoughts going into that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I. I suppose I was just trying to get in the mix, um, I, I, knowing that at the time, um, Denis Pankratov was the, the the Russian fly swimmer that did all the underwater stuff. I was doing quite a bit of underwater stuff as well, but was was pretty much out in in front in terms of times and what was on paper. So yeah, I knew that for me it was about trying to get in the mix and um, and have a good race. And, and really, at the end of the day, you're just trying to come out with the personal best time, which is what I did. Um, so I, I I couldn't complain. Um, um, about you know that I suppose it, I if if you don't if I don't medal or um, or win I'm always looking for how I could improve which is the next step so you know uh, getting the seventh in that was was great for where it was at that point in time um, what well, I was doing quite a bit of the underwater in that race as as well so I was probably one of the ones like Pankratov going some of the furthest i don't think i went as far as he was doing underwater but i was still doing quite a bit and that's always been part of my racing um the the underwater butterfly kick has maintained even when they brought the rules into 15 meters which weren't there in atlanta but then came in shortly after so how far were you able to go at that olympics underwater before they brought the 15 meter as far as you wanted yeah you could go as far as you wanted yeah, so we were probably going like 20 plus meters underwater. So nearly half of the length. I mean, I think he even did a bit, did a bit more, more than that. I mean, that's amazing to sustain that for a long course 200 butterfly. Yeah, it was pretty epic. Yeah. You've had such success in short course world championship, winning five 
titles. So obviously you've got very strong underwaters and good turns. Is that something that you trained? Did you train in a 25 meter pool back in Britain? My, my forte was, yeah. Yeah, when I first, uh, as a as a youngster, I mean, there wasn't a lot of 50 meter pools. There's more now, um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up in a 25 meter pool pool up until I was about 15 16 so um so yeah th there's that and I think the other thing that made my turns good was that gymnastics I did as a kid and all the bounding and plyometrics and doing vaults and jumps and floor and I used to really enjoy all of that stuff so I think the mix of that and training 25 meters meant that my you know my sh my short course my turns and that, that leg kick was a forte of mine throughout my career ongoing yeah, absolutely are you very flexible fairly flexible not so much anymore was i yes i was pretty flexible <laughs> are you flexible like yeah <laughs> oh i know it's sad to lose flexibility isn't it <laughs> It really is. And and you went on to obviously compete in Atlanta and then in Sydney and Athens. What what did you find? Which was your most or which was your favourite Olympics? Which one did you have the best experience at? Well, um, look, uh, probably Sydney, although I wasn't overly enamoured with my own performance. But what I loved about Sydney was that it was basically a, a, an, a, an Olympics for swimming, you know, like with Ian competing on home soil and um, and just that rivalry that was there and the crowd um, and that the fact that, you know, the Sydney Olympic pool had 17,000 seats on one side and you'd never been to a, 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 an event with so many swimming spectators at it. Um, and I can remember that, opening night of the swimming um actually the british team was sat opposite that seventeen thousand seat stadium in the athlete seats on poolside and the first events are 400 free and when ian's name got called out and the crowd went yes the hot breath came down across the pool and we felt it in our faces and we just looked at each other and went Ooh, this is going to be a great Olympics. So that, as a swimmer's Olympics, like, was just in incredible. Um, and, yeah, just the knowledge of the spectators about they knew swimming better than most other Olympics as well. This is going to be a world record. They, could, they knew it already. So all of those elements meant that, for me, uh, the Sydney Olympics was so much of a, a swimmer's Olympics. Uh, probably my best shot at winning an Olympic medal, and it didn't really come off. My, uh, my, my performances themselves weren't were what I was hoping for. But in terms of just being part of it but I do try to not compare Olympics too much because they're all like I try and say look they're like their own mountains in some way now you might go okay for me Sydney Olympics was zero Everest because it was a swimming one but it might not be for you know other sports per se but they're all fantastic in terms of how they are you know you know going to Athens the home of the Olympics and just feeling that history of everything that this is where it all came from 
you know, Sydney didn't have that, for instance. And again, like I said, the, the Atlanta was the Coca-Cola Olympics. It didn't have that either. So they all have their own flavor, their own, you know, their own members of the family, you know, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, you know, you, you love everybody equal, right? True. <laughs> That's right. Did, did they have semifinals in Atlanta or did that come in just before Sydney? They had semifinals in they Atlanta. They did have semifinals, yeah. Then. Yeah. Because yeah, B finals, sorry, not semifinals. B yeah, so Atlanta had the B finals and then Sydney had the semifinals. Right. So, yeah, I swam the B final of the 100 fly, for instance, um, and that got the, the British record in that. So that was that was good. The That's... B finals, you remember that? We used to call yes. them the banana finals. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm in the banana final. Uh... <laughs> I don't know why. Yes, and, yeah, they... I mean, we still obviously have them in Australia at nationals. We have the consolation final. Consolation. Consolation instead of the B final. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and you, you held the world record in short course for the 100 and 200 butterfly. Um, yeah. And obviously recently you got a Masters world record in the 4x50 relay. So tell us about that. Who was a member of that team and what was that experience like? Oh, yeah, now that was absolutely fantastic uh, this year. Um, so with all the floods and the rain, it did make um, doing the ocean swimming um, in the early part of this year sort of got written off in the end. They all got cancelled in January and February. And actually, Peter Thiel, this was really down to Peter Thiel, who said, um, hey, why don't we enter like some pool swimming? for the winter and train for that um, and focus ourselves on on that which um you know so gotta give pete all the credit for because we were like yeah well we might as well we haven't been able to do any ocean swim so so let's have a go so what are we gonna do and we set ourselves a target actually of the australian record for the 4 by 53 at the short course masters um in in the sydney olympic pool that came up in april and so we did we changed our training a bit and chris got chris feidler got involved in you know giving us some sprint training because that's what he's good at um he's good at everything actually but we'll just we'll make that sound good and um and then yeah so we went to um to hobart so it was myself chris guy farrer and Peter Thiel um, and we we broke the Australian record and we were literally like 0.34 seconds outside the world record which sort of surprised us a bit and it was like well we've come so far we're now gonna have to try and see if we can knuckle down and go for that world record so we found another masters meet uh, a few weeks later in early june and um, it was in woi woi <laughs> so we targeted that um we targeted that event to try and have a crack at the the world record words sort of got out a little bit it was quite fun in woi woi uh, everybody sort of knew that this this world record attempt was gonna be happening and you could see uh the, the, the place all the master swimmers were sort of stopped and looking and other people were in the race obviously it was a relay race and involved in it um and um and, and to boot as well not just did we break that 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 record which was 
just amazing. But Chris Feidler broke the 50 world record in the lead off of it too. So we were off to a really good start. And uh, and then Guy went in and then Pete and I got the ankle leg and, uh, and, and we, yeah, we did it. I got told off for not celebrating hard enough at the end of the anchor <laughs> fella. But, you know, when you get to Masters, you just don't. I was, I mean, if I would have been in the height of my career, I'd have gone absolutely nuts, but I was a little bit more reserved at this point in time. <laughs> oh, it's so good. You can celebrate on the inside. Yeah, I was, yeah. And we, um, yeah, we, we definitely uh, enjoyed uh, celebrating, but also being told by our other teammates that, you know, we've changed as people after we did that. We used to be nice people and that, not really. <laughs> well, it's nothing like your teammates to bring you back down to earth. Exactly. <laughs> and have you got any plans to take that little crew on the road to the world champs next year in Japan or? There's been a, a little bit of a chat, although Guy unfortunately had an injury um, and uh, did a Achilles calf injury, so he's been out a little bit. So he's he's got to come back uh, for that. I know. Um, uh, funnily enough, he's the one trying to get us onto the Japan trip. I think that's for him. Then he knows he's got a goal to get back fit again after his injury. Um, who knows? Um, jury's out. It's certainly a possibility. And, you know, there's John Demesto will go swim at the Masters in Japan. So he's already sort of set his stall out there and he's going to train a bit for that. So we've got someone in our midst that's um, that, that's doing it. I, the other thing for me will just have to be around work and family commitments if it will fit in. So at the moment, um, yeah, I'm actually right now just looking forward to some ocean the summer of ocean swims and I'm still trying to learn that side of stuff to be honest i wasn't really looking to go back to the pool it's been amazing this year to get back in and do that and get back to pool do some pool. it was great swimming some individual races in the pool totally forgotten how to you know pace racing and do all of those sort of things because i've really focused on ocean swimming so i didn't what i didn't want to do was what i've done which is a bloody nightmare pardon my French, um, but is set myself pool times that now, you know, I'm going to chase if I do Masters events again, like, because I'm a competitive person inside and, you know, got a couple of the records for Masters in, in that. And so what I really wanted to do and where I focused on the ocean stuff is because it's very much more about you and the the race that happens on the day with the swimmers that are there the times aren't uh that important i mean they're a little bit but you know the, each course is different where they put the boys whatever happens what the conditions are on the day and that i was really interested in like it's in some ways would distract me from being the hyper competitive person that i was in the pool but now i've got a bit of that back but um <laughs> Yeah, just I've still got so much to learn in that space as well, because I've only just scratched the surface. And these guys are teaching me so much about the ocean and how to race in the ocean. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've literally only really done that since I came to Australia in the last five years. So I feel like I'm a 
teenager versus these guys that have done it for 20 30 years you know it's like they've got this 15 year old like still making mistakes and uh and still learning about how the ocean functions which is a totally different ball game to the pool and what they do say to me and we talked about my terms before is they are always saying there's no walls in the ocean james there's no walls in the ocean what have you learnt that's the most important thing taking into the open water um well i mean yeah i've learned various elements uh around getting out under waves what i really want to get better at is getting in on a wave they catch waves in so well you know the swimming bit in the middle is yeah i'm learning different stroke techniques for ocean as well like the the smooth the smooth flatness of a of a pool versus those choppy waves requires a bit different sort of technique yeah. drafting as well uh how and where and when to draft and, uh, and uh, yeah i'm still learning that as a as a skill i sometimes find that drafting if i'm drafting i start to feel like um this is too easy so i try and pull out and go around people and then realize that i'm not able to do that and so all of those elements that uh yeah it's fantastic it's great it's so much new stuff to learn yeah yeah the, those surf skills running in and out of the water are super important in an ocean race and they do take a lot of practice don't they and catching a wave in when they are there yeah. The guys, they all like. I can probably be in in front from the swimming bit, but usually getting that wave, I can, I'm, I, I do practice. Well, I try to in the summer practice. You know, the, the catching of the waves. I enjoy doing that. But it's I get the first part of it, but they manage to stay on those waves all the way to the beach. And yeah, yeah I've still got to learn that one. Yeah, yeah. I know. I had um Sam Shepherd. Um, I don't know whether you've heard of him. So I yeah, of course. From Victoria. Yeah, and he's been a, a winner of the Peter Pub down here. And I was talking to him about the the year I watched Mac Horton, you know, lead the whole race, the Peter Pub, and it looked like he had a huge lead. And Sam got on a wave just right at the end and came past him and it's ran him. up the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I felt it's, so sorry for Mac, but happy for Sam. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that yeah. that is brilliant and terrible about the ocean, yes. all in the same, <laughs> and exciting about it too. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you when you um, are training in the pool, what sort of a, a sample session that you would write for your squad? I'm interested okay. to hear. And um, they will all know this warm up. It happens. 80% of the time, well, maybe 70%, there's two really, uh, 200 swim, kick, pull, swim is, is it the normal? Otherwise it's like four 100s free, four 100s medley, four 100s free. Um, that will just be the first K to get everybody moving. Um, so what did we do? Uh, like if we talk about this week, uh, four six hundreds we did short course um where we just because trying to get a bit of distance in um and it was like one off 730 720s and then trying to get the last one under seven minutes um poor boy and paddles um on monday morning after the swim it was a bit steadier so we did uh three 300s freestyle pull paddles three 200s 
freestyle and three 100s medley and we did a little bit of uh, speed stuff uh, before and after that as well as sort of a steady uh, a steady session main sets are somewhere between two and three k um, and then we do like that K warm up. So you will get up to four, four and a bit in a in a session over about an hour is our usual. Um, I sometimes make a medley madness Monday or something like that, which they absolutely hate with a passion because <laughs> they put some medley in. Um, not keen on the kick either. So I, I bring two things they don't really like. Um, which they like that I bring what they don't like, you know, that's this sort of group as well. Um, but every Sunday we do the 10 400s uh, set, um, which I sort of stole a bit from John Demester's um, group at Manly, Andrew Boyd Charlton Pool. I was going there from South Sydney on a Sunday morning and then uh, it would take me uh, you know, 30 to 40 minutes to drive for this set. And then I kind of decided, well, I could probably just start this in my local pool near me. So I did that. So we've now got a South Sydney 10 400s little group going on. So that um, is, I don't know if you've heard of the 10 400s that happens, but it's two on six minutes, two on 545, two on 530, two on 515, one under five minutes, and then it's one steady to finish. And that's done in 55 minutes. And you are having a coffee one hour later so that's what that one's all about that's been a fantastic set I think it, it's a great set I found it brilliant here and with why I spent the time driving to go do it you really gauge where your fitness is at with that set as it progresses and it can get you fit as well because I wasn't doing as much as I am now when I started back in the pool here in Australia but going to that 4k even once a week I was probably doing two maybe three sessions but doing that got me fitter so I would definitely recommend it for those that aren't too uh, scared of it yeah it's a nice meaty set it's a meaty set and you start off I mean the two on six minutes is your warm-up right so away you go with that and then it it, it heats up as you go through I would have to change the times, but otherwise good. I like to ask everyone that comes on the uh, podcast uh, a few quick questions as a bit of a snapshot of their swimming. So what is your favourite swimming pool that you have ever swum at? Oh, goodness gracious. Favourite swimming pool I've never swum at. I got a book called The Places We Swim in Australia. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that book, but it's got some incredible pools in there. I want to swim at loads of them. Um, uh, I, there's a 150 metre pool up in uh, North Queensland somewhere that looked just absolutely incredible. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't right now, but I've literally, this book is going to be my Bible for my future of, I, I want to go swim in this pool. Places we swim, I recommend it. Go see it, go find that book. And uh, Australia's got enough places like that, never mind in the whole world. That's what blew my mind when I saw it. So um, is there anywhere else in 
in the world. I mean, look, I did a lot, a lot of pools in my career and, you know, lucky to have swam in, in Olympic pools at the end of the day, which when it's full of a crowd, that's the pool I always wanted to be in. So, yeah, I'd say it's those destination locations. I've not done Mandalay Bay, actually, in Singapore, you know, that infinity pool up there. And I probably wouldn't mind lounging in there with a cocktail and not quite racing but that pool is also uh, a bucket list pool i think oh yes neither have i i'd like to do that too and also the one in um have you ever swum at chamois up in the french alps uh no but i know what you're talking oh, about no, Val air is it there's one Val air there's a 50 minute yeah. outdoor pool outdoor pool yeah yeah absolutely stunning i i did do altitude training at font Rameau um in france uh indoor pool i mean uh, when you're up at altitude like that it's generally pretty fresh yes. actually but uh yeah um yeah no i'm gonna use the places we swim book as my bible for uh the next 15 20 years maybe more hopefully yes uh, yeah absolutely and what's been your favorite um open water destination that you've ever swum in oh favorite open water destination well i mean look i've got to say this year i was lucky to do that maui channel and, and maui's just pretty amazing you know the whole experience of hitting hawaii i'm gonna say over waikiki actually i did the waikiki rough water and um as famous as that is it's kind of surfers with a bit of vegas mixed in and, and you know it was it was good because it is a, it's it's a well-known location but the maui channel was great and down at black rock uh where i swam with turtles and all the fish and everything like that was 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 absolutely brilliant i did have a holiday in dominican republic once as well and snorkeling around there was just fantastic having said that i did do some great swims just in sydney off uh bondi and kudji when it was locked down it was as clear as i've ever seen it was so much wildlife and even down at cronulla too God, I had some incredible wildlife swims and swam with dolphins there was dolphins there the other week on a training swim around kudji which was <sighs> You know, the, the, I mean, we've got it in the backyard here, you know, and, and being an Englishman, it still, it still just blows me away that we're right in the mix of it. So I just feel really lucky to have what I have here, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people experienced that in lockdown um, in Australia, that there was a, not a lot of jet skis and boats and commercial boats and things around so the wildlife came back in it was definitely the same here in melbourne in port phillip bay there was um yeah. there was one day that we were swimming when we had dolphins come and swim around exactly. us which is amazing just amazing <laughs> absolutely amazing and I, I actually through covid as well i because of that i actually started taking i, I got myself an, a, a a camera a housing for a little old digital camera yeah. and took took a cat i never would normally do that i mean why would i want to carry a camera around while i'm swimming but i was like i've got to this is amazing yeah it's amazing it's a great experience to have swimming with them. i mean we had lots of jellyfish as well in port phillip bay which i don't like but um, yeah the other fish and um it was it was a stingray that sort of lived out at this post that we would swim out to and 
hopefully it was going to stay down there, but it was huge, two metres, at least yeah, two metres. Yeah, really big. Right. But really clear and good Good to see all that wildlife down there. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Favourite swimmer that you admire the most? Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, for, for, for me, uh, I, I always did have, I, I'm going to mention a couple of people in this. It's very difficult for me to choose one. I've been very lucky to have met so many swimmers, but it's uh, I, longevity really is something that I admire. People that have been able to keep going year in, year out. And one of the people in Britain that did this a lot was a swimmer called Karen Pickering. She had a very long career you know at the top of british swimming and won international medals as well and for me i think you you realize it more and i did when you get older how how much you've got to put into trying to stay at the top um for as long as as all of that so um you know i certainly i i felt like obviously michael phelps started young but he did you know so many olympics kept going through um Steve, Stephen Redgrave was another British athlete, not a swimmer. I know you asked for swimmers, but did five Olympics, yeah. five golds there. And that is the sort of stuff that really, you know, I admired. It was, you know, a dedication to it, to keep going, to keep improving, to maintain. That for me is what is, you know, I, I admired the most in athletes and, and, and the swimmers that did that. And not to take away from people that win, you know, once, and that's that's fantastic. And I'm not trying to take that away from them, but I think the people that maintained those high levels for a long time was what I admire. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. What's your favourite butterfly training drill? Ooh, yeah, okay. Um, my favourite one is actually uh one like single arm one leg kick per arm cycle now you normally do two but to do just one on entry and the entry of the butterfly kick um and sorry the butterfly stroke with the kick is really 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 important and i learned this i got it's a funny little story when I thought I was really good when I'd broken the British record that they started doing underwater videoing and we went to um to a biomechanist that was that, that was videoing and I went there thinking he was going to tell me I was a bee's knees and he didn't basically he said uh, oh your strokes are wrong and it's rubbish and what he did talk about there and it made perfect sense I was not getting that timing right where your hands should be like skis on the surface of the water as that kick happens so you and then you get your grip and pull through and getting that right that timing right was really vitally important so now one of my drills is single arm but it's only one leg kick I'm focusing on another wave sort of happens but it's that entry focus leg kick as the hand enters like a ski on the surface of the water right oh that's a good one yeah i haven't heard that one before that's good everyone listening can give it a try and let us know what they think give it a go i would say give it a and go. i know you mentioned medley you do a lot of medley sets but what's your favorite butterfly training set 
Favourite fly training set? Well, would have been because I don't really get to do that much um, now. But uh, uh, favourite fly training set? I mean, obviously used to do, uh, to be honest, four times a week, Tuesday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning. I used to have a 3K fly set every day for about five years of my life and it would be like 12 300s or 15 200s or something like that. I've done pretty much everything but what did I like the most out of all of it you know like it's hard to distinguish because what I enjoy in anything I'm doing is just challenging myself on that day and I get the satisfaction get the satisfaction you know when you get out and you've said I want to try and you know when it was then hit if it was like I know uh one minute for all the hundreds that i'm doing you know it, it didn't really matter what the training set was it mattered what my what my outcome was as to whether i enjoyed it or not if i didn't hit them then that was a horrible training set and i, I hated it uh, but if i did it i loved it um i suppose i always lent more into um sprint training um not that i loved it but what i think helped the most um was a hundred used to do a set of hundred short course where it was um 75 swim and the last 25 was underwater fly kick so you got like a 10 second like uh, stop break take a breath and then you had to do the last max 25 underwater really long buster sort of set and i used to know that used to probably give me the the most benefit i the edge over everybody else so that when i had when i do that last turn in the race i knew i could do this next length completely underwater if i had to but i actually had the benefit of even breathing so i was going to come back on that last length faster than anybody else a lot of my thinking and working with my coach was always you had to make training harder than what you were going to do in a race so that when you came to the race it was easy so that's the exact type of set that was trying to deliver that idea which is well, if you could do that in training your race is never ever going to be as hard as that well james thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been lovely chatting to you and hearing all about your swimming journey and i think everyone's going to really enjoy listening to this episode Thanks, Danielle. It's been really nice to meet you and uh, I'll be listening in to all your podcasts. Oh, thank you. Okay, take care and have a lovely Christmas. You too. Thanks so much to James for sharing his swimming journey with us today. I found it really intriguing and I loved hearing all about his really different drills and sets and training that he did. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.